0: Welcome to St. Martin in the Fields, and welcome to Great Sacred Music. Special welcome to those online. Welcome to Liv, who's conducting uh, today. And most of all, a special welcome to me, because I've been away for a little while, as one or two of you have kind enough to notice. And now I'm back with a vengeance. We're celebrating Easter today, as we were at the weekend, Easter uh, is really about two things. It's about freedom from the prison of the past through the forgiveness of sins, and it's about opening out uh, our, the possibility of the future through the gift of everlasting life. And those are the two gifts that come through Jesus' resurrection that is celebrated uh, and marked through the empty tomb, the appearances to, and reconciliation with the disciples, and particularly in John's gospel the commissioning uh, of the disciples uh, and the founding of the church. We celebrate Easter for 50 days. There are 40 days of Lent, full of deprivation, misery, which I'm sure you enjoyed, Uh, and there are 50 days of Easter, just to say there's that little bit more joy than there is misery, even though a lot of people in the church seem to prefer the misery, but we won't go into that. Easter, as I'm sure you know, is celebrated on the first Sunday after the ecclesiastical full moon that falls on or after March the 21st. That's to say, between March the 22nd and April the 25th. If you're an Orthodox, you're on the uh, Julian calendar and not the Gregorian calendar, uh, and so you celebrate Easter two weeks later. Now, uh, we've just heard one translation from the Lyra de Vitica of 1708. We're going to hear a different translation now of the same, uh, same original hymn, which was written in the 14th century as a Bohemian Latin hymn, Serexit Christus Hodiae. Uh, it's set to a tune called Easter Hymn, uh, and it's found in this collection of 1708, the Lyra de Vitica, The Harp of David in English, or, and it's got a rather nice longer title, a collection of divine songs and hymns, partly newly composed, partly translated from the high German and Latin hymns. In fact, most of the hymns, uh, not including this one, were uh, originally in German. We remain seated. The voices stand and lead us. You can find the words on the inside of the sheets, and we're going to sing together, Um, Jesus Christ is Risen Today. Now, we're going to hear a couple of contrasting pieces of music from uh, long ago and from very recently. The first was published in 1589, adapted from the words of Isaiah 45, by Francisco Guero, who was a Spanish Catholic priest uh, who was born and died in Seville back in the days when it's the Catholic priests who had all the fun. He traveled to the Holy Land in 1589 And on the return trip, his ship was twice attacked by pirates who threatened his life, stole his money, and held him for ransom. When he returned to Spain, he endured a series of misfortunes, including some time spent in debtor's prison. At last, he returned to Seville Cathedral and wrote a book on his adventurous visit to the Holy Land, which he published in 1590, which made him enough money to start planning another adventurous trip to the Holy Land. Unfortunately, he died in the plague of 1599 before he was able to depart. A colorful life. Uh, Then we're going to hear a a modern piece, a contemporary piece by Elaine Hagenberg, who graduated from Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa in 2002, has gone on to an accomplished American choral music composition career. This uh, may be a very contemporary piece of music, but it's actually based on Augustine's resurrection prayer. So it's originally a fifth century text. well, now we've got a treat for you, Leonard Cohen. Not necessarily what you come to great sacred music expecting. His, uh, his song, Hallelujah, not really an Easter song, if truth be told, but we're singing it anyway in Easter week. Uh, we're going to sing four verses today. Originally, it was 80 verses long. That would have kept us for a good couple of hours, I think, Uh, What he does in this is he blends the story of David and Bathsheba with the story of Samson and Delilah. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throne. She cut your hair, Uh, and then out comes the release, and from your lips she drew the hallelujah. Both of these two biblical heroes, uh, David and Samson, are brought down to earth and risk surrendering their authority because of the allure of forbidden love. Then he builds to the song's central premise, the value, even the necessity of the song of praise in the face of confusion, doubt, or dread. There's a blaze of light in every word, it doesn't matter which you heard, the holy or the broken, hallelujah. You you can really read Lennon Lennon Cohen in in two ways. You can say, despite the fact he's totally miserable all the time, he does have this blaze of light factor that breaks through from time to time, or you can read him in a rather more sober way and say, he is totally miserable all the time and the only joy you get in life is a glimpse of light amidst the total misery. Anyway, Alan Light, who wrote a book about this song, can you believe, a whole book about this song, takes the more charitable view. This is what he says. A blaze of light in every word, that's an amazing line. Every word, holy or broken, this is the fulcrum of the song as Cohen first wrote it. Like our forefathers and the Bible heroes who formed the foundation of Western ethics and principles, we will be hurt, tested, and challenged. Love will break our hearts. Music will offer solace that we may or may not hear, we will be faced with joy and with pain. But Cohen is telling us, without resorting to sentimentality, not to surrender or despair, to despair or nihilism. Critics may have fixated on the gloom and doom of his lyrics, easy to do, but this is his offering of hope and perseverance in the face of a cruel world. Holy or broken, there is still. Hallelujah. Make your own judgment. Well, I guess Leonard Cohen would probably say it takes eight people to sing that song these days. I used to sing it on my own. <laughs> we're going to go for a complete change of genre and take you straight back into the Victorian era now uh, with Alleluia, Sing to Jesus, which we're going to sing together in a few moments. Alleluia, Sing to Jesus was written in 1866. What you need to understand is that after the Oxford movement of the 1830s and 40s, there was an Anglo-Catholic revival that led to uh, a greater need for Eucharistic hymns because the Eucharist started to become the main act of worship in many, uh, in many parishes which it hadn't been for a long, long time. Uh, and it also meant a revival of the great festivals of which ascension was perhaps the most significant, because being always celebrated on a Thursday, 40 days after Easter, uh, Ascension didn't really get a look in in the very Protestant mindset uh, of the time before the Oxford movement. So here we have an ascension Tide Eucharistic hymn written in 1866 out of that tradition of the Oxford movement and the need for more such hymns. Uh, What you really need to know about this hymn, it was written by William Chatterton Dix, Why is he important? Well, the middle name gives you a clue. If you're called Chatterton, you're probably from Bristol because Thomas Chatterton, as you may remember from the famous pre-Raphaelite painting, was the 17-year-old poet who took his own life and was the great symbol of the kind of romantic movement uh, thereafter. The the, the tortured poet is Thomas Chatterton uh, uh, um, to perfection. But the most important thing about William Chatterton Dix is he was educated At the same school as me. (laughs) Bristol Grammar School. Those were the days. So, what we have in this hymn is we have the great ascension tide uh, themes. The work of redemption is finished in the first verse. We're reminded that Christ has ascended, but is always present with his people by his spirit in the second verse. And we petition Christ to hear the cry of sinners and be our intercessor. So, a rich ascension tide excuse me, ascension-tide theology, we're going to remain seated. The voices will stand and lead us as we sing together. Alleluia, sing to Jesus. Well, we're coming towards the end of uh, Great Sacred Music for this week. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. If you have, there's an opportunity to make a cash donation as you leave, or you can do all the things we can now do as far as parting with money, including a beautifully presented QR code on the back of the sheets. You won't find a better QR code in all of London than that, and you know what to do. Uh, Do look out for Choral Classics if you're in town on Sunday afternoon, 3.15 Parnis Angelicus, And next week, we're doing Carson Koeman's A Cosmic Prayer and talking about music of the spheres, the skies, and the stars. We're going to finish with Hallelujah Chorus, which I think probably needs no introduction from me, other than to say uh, it's traditional to stand for the Hallelujah Chorus, and I see no reason why we shouldn't do that today. Thanks for joining us.